holy. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, only if it's true, I'm moving forward. Who wants to go backwards? I'm moving forward. Go ahead. Just be bold. Just tell your neighbor, I'm moving forward. Nobody wants to go back. See, you did it. You did it. We're largely a passive group of people, but you just like, you just pulled up your pants and you got it done right there. That was awesome. I want to start with this premise, okay? That God's plan A for you, God's plan for your life will always have you moving ahead into the future. Uh, God doesn't have designs for you to like go backwards, for you to like be stuck in the past. God's plan A for your life will always have you moving ahead into the future. And I think by the time we get to the end today, you will agree with me largely. And hopefully, you'll just be filled with hope about what that might look like uh, for you. So last week, uh, I, was, I was gone. Pastor Rick uh, was talking about Moses, chapter 4 of the story. You might remember Moses, God raised up Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery uh, in Egypt. And so last week, he talked about that, and some pretty incredible things happened, uh, like the parting of the Red Sea. That's outside of my daily normal. I don't know about you. Um, but, you know, if we said, as we've said all along, like, if in the beginning there was a God, if the first four words of the Bible are true... Uh, then that's not beyond the realm of possibility for those kinds of things to happen. So God led them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea to spare them from the Egyptian army. They've safely escaped from Egypt, and now they've come to a place called Mount Sinai. That's where chapter 5 picks up. They have trekked a little ways, and they've stopped right here at Mount Sinai. Uh, Now, if you remember all along, if you've been following the last four weeks, uh, three weeks ago, God made a promise to Abraham. Abraham is the patriarch of the Jewish people. God made a promise to them that his descendants would become a vast nation and that all the people of the earth would be blessed through his family, through those descendants. Well, here at Mount Sinai, this is where that promise comes to fruition. This is where it becomes a real thing. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, this is what it says. Uh, God is telling Abraham, uh, God is telling Moses, Say this to the people, you yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He tells Moses, these are the words that you should speak to the Israelites. Now, that's a pretty good deal if God came to you and was like, hey, listen, uh, let's just enter into a little agreement here. If you, if you, uh, you know, do life this way, then you will be my chosen person. Like, that's, I'd be interested if God came to me and said that. Uh, I think you would too. God is trying to make a covenant with them. Uh, He says, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant. The word covenant is really an important word all throughout the Bible. So keep that word in mind. A covenant is an agreement between two parties, but it's different than a contract, right? If you've ever entered into a contract, like if you bought a car or uh, had a mortgage or something like that, basically the contract is like making sure the other person doesn't rip you off, right? The contract's there to protect you, to protect your own interest, whether it's the bank protecting themselves from you or you protecting, you know, making sure they do what they said they're going to do. A covenant is different. A covenant is made either for the best interest of both parties, or sometimes they're even one-sided. Like, you could actually enter into a covenant that's purely for the benefit of the other person. 
for example, uh, occasionally I offer my kids X amount of dollars for making certain grades. Uh, I don't know if you do that. I like to be a yes dad, so I try to like, incentivize the good. Uh, I don't like to have to penalize the bad, but if that's your style, that's all good. That's, that's up to you. Uh, the agreement doesn't benefit me either way, right? Like, um, either if they don't make the grades, then that doesn't benefit me, and if I don't have to give them, the, if I have to give them the money because they did make the grades, that doesn't benefit me either. Either, either way, I, I don't personally benefit, but I'm making the agreement because I have their best interest in mind. I think any parent can get on board with that. So, so here's the thing you got to understand. God makes this covenant, and he says, listen, if you do life this way, it'll go well for you. When God asks you to do things, or when God tells you not to do things, it doesn't benefit him in any way. It's for your best interest. Uh, I know we don't really like to be told what to do, uh, but, but it's actually for your best interest. He's not trying to protect himself from getting burned. So when God says, like, hey, don't lie, don't be easily angered, or when he says, do be faithful to your spouse, do honor authority, when he says those things, it's actually for your benefit. He's not looking out for his best interest. He's looking out for yours. So God invites the nation of people into this covenant. Uh, now, if you take the example of me offering my kids uh, money, what would happen if instead of like raising the bar and getting the grades, they actually like grossly underachieved? Instead of getting the positive consequence, they actually went the other direction. Thankfully, this hasn't had to happen yet. Uh, but there would be like negative consequences instead of positive, right? Now, uh, that's, not the, that's like the part of parenting that's a bummer, right? Uh, if you have kids, you totally get that. But, but why would I have to enforce negative consequences for underachieving? Uh, couldn't I just say, nah, and blow it off? I mean, I could, but that would kind of make me an unloving, lazy father, wouldn't it? Well, God is clearly not an unloving, lazy father. So the covenant is conditional. His love is not conditional, but the covenant is conditional on them cooperating with it. So here's how it goes down. This is, uh, this is the part we're going to get to today. Uh, God calls Moses. He says, I want you to go up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. Uh, and this is where God gives Moses what we refer to as the Ten Commandments. Uh, if you've ever been in a courtroom and you saw him on the wall, or maybe you saw that movie with uh, it was Charlton Heston, I think was the guy's name. That was a little before my time. Uh, but if you've heard of the Ten Commandments, this is actually where they came from. The Ten Commandments were the conditions of this covenant that God is making with the people. That's where they originated. So in Exodus 20, verse 18, it's page 61 in the story, uh, Moses goes up on the mountain, and this is what the people saw as they looked at the mountain. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance, and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us, or we will die. This is the kind of like reverent fear that they had. Um, it sounds pretty impressive, like you're just thinking, like, they're trying to envision that, like the mountain is just covered with smoke, and there's thunder and lightning, and they're like afraid, but in a reverent way, right? Uh, it actually sounds pretty terrifying, but also like pretty awesome. Uh, it makes sense to me, okay, so if we drop our seed, like we're, let's pretend we're the, the nation of Israel, and we're seeing this, and we're like, Pastor Rick, you go up and talk to God, and then tell us what he says, because we're afraid. We don't want him to talk to us. Uh, it makes sense that if we were in that scene, and we witnessed it, uh, 
that we would be like okay with whatever it was God said, right? Like whatever Moses comes back down and says, well, God wants you to do X, we'd be like, yeah, okay, this is terrifying. We're going to do X, right? Like when your mom was like, wait till your father gets home and then you immediately like fall in line. It would be something like that, but times a thousand. Uh, there's this country song. I don't even know who sang the song. I'll enter a couple times. But one of the lines in there is, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. Anybody, does anybody know that song? Does anybody know that? No? Okay, we got some takers. Right on. Um, I'm not a beer guy. Maybe you are. But he definitely nailed the other two. God is great and people are crazy. Because uh, I would think when Moses comes down and says, hey, this is what God said, they would immediately do what God said. But nope. Nope. They prove that people are, in fact, crazy. So here's what happens. Moses and his brother Aaron, they go up the mountain. God gives them the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, and it's on, also on page 61, is where we find the Ten Commandments. I'm going to paraphrase because they're, it's a pretty long section. The first one is, God says, I am the Lord your God. Don't have any other gods before me. The second one is, don't, don't make idols and worship them in place of me. And then he says, don't misuse my name. That makes sense. If God's name is the highest authority in all the creative order, that, that I would want to respect it and revere it. Then he says, remember the Sabbath days, commandment number four. Number five is honor your father and your mother. Number six, don't commit murder. Number seven, don't commit adultery. That makes sense. God's saying, listen, if you do these things, they're going to destroy everything good in your life. Don't steal. Don't lie, number nine. And lastly, number 10 is don't covet the things that belong to someone else. Uh, if you've ever coveted what someone else had and wanted it really bad, whether it's a possession or a spouse or a situation, uh, you know that'll eat away at you. God says, don't do these things. Uh, all of these things are really sensible, right? They all make sense. Um, and so the people are like, yeah, of course. Like, it, it'll be totally destructive if we steal from each other and lie, from, lie to each other. Like, Yes to the Ten Commandments. We want to enter into this covenant. So Moses goes back up the mountain uh, and he leaves Aaron behind to babysit. And this is the part where the people prove that people are crazy. It's on page 64 in the story. It's Exodus 32.1. It says, when the people saw that Moses was gone so long in coming down from the mountain, Moses was gone 40 days, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So they tell Aaron, listen, uh, why don't you make us a God that we can worship and put it out in front of us and follow it? Because uh, Moses is gone. We don't know where he's at. So now we need to like replace this God. We need to replace our leader. This is the part where they prove that people are crazy. What they do is they gather up all their jewelry they melt it down, and if you've never read the story, you're literally, you're going to think I'm making this up. This is actually what's there. They make it into a statue of a golden cow, and then they worship it. Uh, does that not sound bad crap nutty to anyone else? <laughs> Has anyone here ever been tempted to, like, put a little metal statue of a cow on your mantle and then, like, worship it? No, of course not. Like, that is just absurd. Did I mention that people are crazy? Uh, okay, it's a different time in the world. Like, they viewed nature differently and, and all that stuff. Uh, but... Nonetheless, like they just saw the mountain, right? The, the smoke and the fire and the thunder and lightning. And now we have a little metal cow. Okay, so they're literally breaking the first two commandments at the same time. Have no other gods before me. Don't make any idols. Here they are worshiping a metal cow. I think this is probably why the Bible refers to, uh, this is total conjecture, why the Bible calls them the children of Israel. Uh, because 
they're obviously acting really immature here. So, um, but this gets to like the first and second commandments where, uh, where we see idolatry come into our lives. You know, you're not tempted to worship a metal animal, I don't think. Uh, that's a weird concept for us because none of us ever like would even think to do something like that. But idolatry looks different for us. Idolatry is really re- about replacing God's way with my way. It's about, idolatry happens when we lose sight of where God is taking us and just decide to go our own direction instead. That's really what's happening. Uh, we, we think we know better than God does or uh, we know what he's told us to do, but we're going to do our own thing instead. This is how we commit idolatry in our own context. Now, you're going to have to read the rest of chapter 5 to see what happens. Uh, let's just say uh, when Moses comes back, when daddy comes down, stuff's going to get broke because he's not going to be happy. So uh, you'll have, you're going to have to read that. Uh, but I just want to back up and recap what's happened over the last few pages of the story, like literally probably in the last 15 pages. Uh, we saw God lead them out of slavery. Okay, this whole nation of people saw God do miracles and bring them out of slavery in Egypt. Uh, he gave them a leader in Moses to guide them, uh, to help them know where to go. And the place he was taking them was to the land of Canaan that God promised them. This is going to be your own land. You're not going to be slaves anymore. You're going to have your own land where you can prosper, where you can pass on a legacy, where you can pass on your own uh, resources, your land, your, uh, your money, your wealth. You can pass those things on instead of being slaves. They also received supernatural provision from God as they're on the journey. And they've received God's promise just now to bless them if they keep the covenant. Okay, those are all really like powerful, significant things that they've received in just the last few pages. And now they've decided, eh, no thanks. They've abandoned all of that. And they're stuck where they are. They got their golden cow. They got no Moses. They're just confused and they're stuck. Have you ever been paralyzed by indecision? Unsure what to do next, so you're just stuck? They lost sight of Moses, and therefore, they lost sight of where God was leading them. They can't seem to remember where they were going, and now they're stuck. You've been stuck. I've been stuck. Emotionally stuck, carrying the weight of something that hurts. Uh, Stuck in indecision. Stuck professionally. Stuck in a pattern of behavior. Stuck in a habit or an addiction. Uh, stuck in shame, stuck in insecurity. We get stuck in all kinds of ways, and that's what's happening to them. So listen, if you felt stuck before, or maybe you do right now, uh, God can change your story today. Just by, just by this last section that I just want to talk about before we go, you might want to write this down. Uh, can you throw the next slide up there for me? Tina. Uh, This image was posted on our our social page this week. It was on centerchurch.cc, right on the front page. It says, the journey of faith is always about forward motion. Thank you, Karen, not Tina. (laughs) Faith is never about the past. It's always about the future. Okay, now just just think about that for a second. Um, I had that that thought earlier this week, and so I, I asked Pastor Rick, I was like, hey, analyze this with me. Tell me if you agree. Like, think of a biblical precedent where something different happens. And we couldn't come up with anything. Can you think of a time when you were like trusting God for something that already happened? 
Like, God, if you could just come through on this thing and the thing you were praying for is like already over. No, it's, it's always about what you're hoping forward for. Faith is always about moving ahead. God's plan A for your life is going to be a journey of faith. If you haven't noticed uh, yet in the first five chapters, life with God is always about faith. It's always about trusting him and then acting accordingly. And faith is always about forward motion, not being stuck, not, not dwelling on the past, not dwelling on a wound, but moving forward. So here's where the Israelites are at. Uh, they, they, uh, they move forward to this, uh, toward the promised land, but they get to Sinai and then they stop right there, okay? Uh, they've stopped in a place that they were meant to pass through. Does that make sense? They, they've set up tent stakes in a place that should have been a pit stop for them. And now they're just here. If you know the story, you know they actually spend about 40 years. An entire generation goes by because they stopped in a place that they were meant to pass through. The journey from Egypt to the promised land probably should have taken them a couple weeks. Uh, it's, it's not that far. Like that part of the world is a lot smaller than what we're accustomed to here in this part of the country. Uh, but, but they've just set up stakes right there. They've just settled down. And I wonder if anybody in this room or anyone listening online is doing the same thing. Attached to an old wound to the point that you, you can't let yourself disconnect and get free from it. Or just a discouragement, something that just didn't go the way you wanted it to. And now you're, now you're stuck. I wonder if any of us is doing the same thing. I wonder if anybody here is settling for something a lot smaller than what God has in mind for you. Uh, I wonder if you're stuck in that way. Uh, I know that that's happened to me. Um, I think that can happen to anyone. I bet it's happened to several people uh, in this room, even right now, where I'm stuck. And I just want to tell you, you can move forward into the future. Last week, this is a principle that will be so helpful. Last week, Brandy and I went to Yakima for uh, a wedding. I brought a picture of the uh, bride and groom. Uh, hopefully, that one will pop up there of Austin and Grace. They, uh, they were, this is so funny, aren't they cute? Yeah, they're, they're awesome. So when they were like, they were both 11 years old, uh, they had older siblings in the youth church that I led, and they would like hang out to annoy their older siblings. And uh, lo and behold, 15 years later, here they are, they're getting married. You can throw the last slide back up there, we don't have to stare at them. Uh, so Brandon and I were going to Yakima, and we went through this place called Dry Falls. It's in the middle of nowhere. Has anyone ever been there by any chance? It's kind of off the beaten path. Okay, we've got to take her back there. Uh, and we're driving along, and I had gone online. We had some extra time, and so, you know, like quality time. I want to do something fun. We like to go hiking. That's something that we do often. And uh, so we're driving along, and I'm looking for this particular turnoff to go to a trail where uh, apparently there's some caves there that you hike up the hill, and you see the caves, and then you hike back down. Uh, yeah, it's terribly exciting, I know. And uh, I, I wasn't sure that it would be very well marked, so I'm driving along, and I, I knew it was going to be on the left side of the road. I'm driving along, we're kind of in the area, but I'm like watching on the left side of the road, because central Washington is like all sagebrush, and like if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss it, right? You know, like it's, it's not pretty. Okay, so we're driving along, and I'm looking to the left, I'm watching along as we're going, I'm looking out this window, I'm looking over to the side, and then I look in front of me, and I realize I'm like in the oncoming lane. Like I have totally veered to the left, because I'm, I'm staring over to the left. Now, thankfully, in central Washington, there probably wasn't another car for 50 miles. Uh, but, but I'm looking over this way, and as I'm doing it, I'm starting to like veer. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe you're going over this way, and then you hit the little rumble strip thing, and it, it reminds you. Here's what happened. 
I involuntarily moved toward what I was looking at. And you do the same thing. In your car and in life. We involuntarily move towards the things that we're focused on. I, as I was driving, I lost sight of where I was supposed to be going and I started veering towards what I was focused on. Listen, this isn't always an easy thing for us to digest, but if we're focused on the past or we're focused on the wound or we're focused on the thing that that person said that really offended me, guess what we're gonna veer toward? We're gonna veer toward always the thing that we're focused on And if we're not careful, we just might drive off into the ditch and then we'll really be stuck. Have you ever let like a negative thought like just kind of, you know, just stew in your brain long enough and it was kind of cute, you know, I'm like babysitting this thought and then pretty soon it turned into like an attitude that you couldn't get rid of and you were like, oh, how did this swell up? Yeah, because we're going to veer toward the thing that we're focused on. Now, my hope and my prayer for us is that we'll always be a people who can press toward the future in faith. I hope that we'll always be moving ahead by faith. But I want to share one verse with you. It's in Philippians 3. If you have your Bible on your device, you're going to want to highlight this. If you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to flip over there. It's in Philippians 3, and Paul is talking about pressing forward. Okay, this is what he says. He says, Philippians 3, verse 13, but one thing I do, okay, whatever happens, I'm going to make sure I do this. Whatever happens, I'm doing this. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Now, summon your inner extrovert, turn to your neighbor and say, press on, like you mean it. Press on. Okay, that was good. We're going to try it again. You ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, press on. Oh, you guys are awesome. You know what? I feel like we should go for a third round because there's a couple people who just really need the encouragement from you. So don't let their soul wither because you didn't want to turn to them and say, press on with gusto. Turn to your neighbor and say, press on. Yes, I knew you guys could do it. I'm so proud of you. I'm like a proud father right now. (laughs) Now, I've made this example before, okay? Uh, You all recognize this. Uh, You have one of these in your car. It usually hangs somewhere right around here if you're uh, driving. Uh, It is not a possibility, actually. The human brain is actually not capable of multitasking. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, Sometimes you can toggle back and forth between a couple of things really quickly. Some of you are really good at that. Uh, I am not one of those people. Uh, It's all one thing or all another for me. Uh, But it's actually not possible for you to be focused on two things at the same time. Now, if I'm driving along and I am focused on this, guess what I'm not focused on? I'm not focused on that, right? If I'm, if I'm staring into the rearview mirror, I can't see what is ahead of me. And if you drive your car while focusing solely on this, eventually you're going to crash. That's, that's going to happen. It's, it's just an eventuality. Watch what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. He said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's kind of an odd thing to say. Maybe even like a little bit, almost kind of sounds like kind of harsh. Like Jesus is playing like tough love card right here. I don't know if I like that. Uh, It's an odd thing to say, but it does make sense. If you're stuck looking in the rear view, you can't safely move forward. If I let myself get paralyzed by fear or I get stuck holding onto an old wound or I let someone's harsh words affect my security to the point that I can't go forward, uh, then 
then I'm not useful. I'm not moving toward what God has for me. And Paul says, no, forget what's behind and strain toward what's ahead. Now, you might say, uh, yeah, Pastor Kelly, that's in the Bible. Like, it makes sense. Like, I'm totally on board with that. But you don't know my story. Uh, And that's fair. I might not know your story. Uh, I do know uh, that every person here has a story. Uh, I have a story. And I just want to let you in on just a little tidbit of mine. Uh, As many of you know, uh, when I was a kid, my brother Patrick and I had a sister between us who passed away. And uh, I I witnessed my parents uh, lose uh, lose their livelihood, their home, and a child in the span of just a few months. Okay, now that's not my story to tell. I'll leave that for them. They can, they can do that. But, but what I did see them do after that was somehow figure out how to strain forward to what lies ahead, how to press on toward the goal. And I can look at that now and I can say, okay, if they could press on from that, I can press on from this. If they can press on from that, you can press on from this. If God can bring beauty from those ashes, he can bring beauty from my ashes. If God can somehow give that story a redemptive ending, he can do it in yours too. It comes down to whether or not you trust him and believe him for that. If God can bring beauty from the ashes of the trials you've been through, he can bring beauty from the ashes of the ones that you're going through. It's your choice, but this is what I wanna encourage you to do. Don't stop in a place that you were meant to pass through. Don't stop in a place that God wants you to pass through. Is that helpful to anyone? Is that helpful? Don't stop in a place that you were meant to pass through. Winston Churchill is famously credited with saying, when you're going through hell, don't stop. That's pretty sage advice, isn't it? If you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Just, just keep going. I don't know how far it is to get to the other side, but just keep going. Don't, don't stop. See, we all face heartache. Heartache is not a possibility. It's a guarantee. It's going to happen in life. But God's plan A for you is not to lose heart. It's not to lose confidence. It's not to settle down and and just camp out in the discouragement, camp out in places you were meant to drive by. If you're looking ahead, you're going to move ahead. Just like if you're looking left or right, you're going to move left or right. If you're looking ahead, you're going to move ahead. But if you're stuck, preoccupied with the past, or you're dug in where you are, are, you're not going to move ahead. Now, just like people get stuck, churches get stuck. That, that can happen to an individual, that can happen to a group. Uh, a few years ago, we set out to plant a church and we've done that. And we could look around and, uh, and we could say, okay, like mission accomplished. We did that, we started a church, that was awesome. And we could get stuck here, right where we are. Uh, we started a church, uh, that was great, but that's just a place that we're meant to pass through. That's just a, a pit stop on the way to where God is taking us. About eight months ago, we set uh, what we like to call a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal to reach 100 new families. I don't know exactly where we're at on that. I, so we're working on tallying that up. Uh, I know we're not there yet. Uh, I know we're on our way, but we're not there yet. See, God brought the Israelites out of slavery, and he's leading them towards Canaan. Now, think about what that meant, to go from slavery to a place where they could be free, but not just be free where they could have their own land and they could raise their own farms and their own livestock and build their own homes and they could pass it on to their own kids. Think about about the difference for them. But they got to Mount Sinai and they just decided, well, being out of slavery is enough, we're good. We're We're just gonna stay here. But God 
wanted to take them to a place that was beyond their wildest expectation. With God's help, I hope that we'll be a people who are constantly straining forward toward that. For those who share that vision in your own life and in the life of our church, let's press on, straining toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called you heavenward. So here's the big idea. If you're looking ahead, you're going to move ahead. If you're looking to the left, you're going to move to the left. The right, you're going to move to the right. But if you're looking ahead, you're going to move ahead. And everybody at some point needs someone who will come along and lift their gaze up and point them in the right direction again. Everybody needs somebody to do that. We all need friendship in those ways. Somebody will come along and turn us away from what has happened and point our attention toward where God is taking us. And so I want to share this verse with you. It's from Lamentations chapter 3. And I want to, by God's grace, be that person for you today who will just lift your gaze from where it is to where God is taking you. This is what the author says. He says, I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, acknowledging the reality of pain. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss, yet... I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. So I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance and therefore I will hope in him. I don't want to let you get stuck in discouragement today. I don't want to let myself get stuck thinking that the best is behind me. Uh, I don't want to let our church come up short of what God wants to do in and through us because we're just stuck where we are. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand up with me. Uh, This is what we're going to do. I'm going to share one last verse with you, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to take the verse, and we're going to stand on it when you get discouraged. Remember that God is working in you. Uh, And then when that's done, we're going to go out these doors and you're going to kick discouragement's butt this week. Uh, I I hope you can do that. Uh, That's God's plan for you to forge ahead into new things. And so this is what Philippians says. Chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says that we can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That God who has started a work in you is gonna carry it on to completion. He's not gonna leave you stuck. Set your eyes on where he's taking you because faith is about the future and not the past. Next week, we're gonna move on to chapter six and we're gonna see what happens when they finally get out, uh, when they finally leave Sinai and where God leads them. I wanna encourage you to be a part of that, be looking for that. God doesn't want you stuck. He doesn't want you stuck. That's not his plan for you. Uh, He wants to actually lead you out of being stuck. He actually wants to lead you into the future. So I want to encourage you to be in pursuit of what he has for you. Lord, thank you so much uh, that you have good plans for us, that your plans for each one of us are for a future. They're for hope. They're for good things. Uh, God, I pray that you would give us a vision of that, that you'd give us enthusiasm for that, excitement for where you're leading us so that we could just... Lift our eyes off the problem and look toward the solution. Look toward the thing that we're hoping for and put our faith in you. God, I pray that you would stir up a new thing in this church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you head out, if... uh...